50, he'll kick it. Tried to do a little too much. Houston smothers. Fritz gives back to McDonald, keeps it in. Under the right foot. Maybe this time. It curls and curls and curls and curls through. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. My name is Tim. I'm joined with Simo here, mate. Congratulations. You're finally free. You're out of lockdown a little bit early, mate. How are you going? How are you feeling? Oh, mate, super stoked, super stoked. And just to top it all off after a win on Thursday night, we're uh, definitely on a high. Yeah, absolutely. And an extra special episode today. We did have a really emphatic win, bounce back to form with a victory over Port Adelaide on Thursday night over there, which was, yeah, very satisfying and, and very exciting for us to see us bounce back into form. But to go through the game with us, very unfortunate to have uh, the senior AFL reporter for Fox Footy as uh, a regular panellist on First Crack, the TV show and the podcast. But most most importantly, he's a passionate D supporter, Tom Morris. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us, mate. How are you going? Tim, what a great intro. Thank you. Hello to Simo and well, welcome back out of quarantine. It must be uh, extremely gratifying to be living a normal life again. It's, um, it's been a good few days as a Melbourne fan, hasn't it? Not only did the D's win, we've had a couple of losses, especially the Brisbane loss helps us as well. So yeah, to, uh, the dogs lose today at the time of recording in a couple of hours, it'll be even better. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it'd be nice to get another yeah another game on top of Bulldogs. It just seems that every time we sort of get a little bit of breathing room, they're uh, they're you know right behind us. Yeah, back to Thursday. What what a fantastic response. I mean, I think the optimism in all of us, whilst it's been building this year, it can be easily shot down. But I think that was just a fantastic response, and the way that we did that for four quarters was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I mean, I tip Melbourne, but I did so with a bit of uncertainty, it must be said. Any team that goes to Adelaide, it's going to be tough. Although this year, Port haven't been great at home. They've lost a few games that you probably expect them to win in the past. Um, they're probably not playing like a top four team. But even so, our form the previous three weeks, more so our goal kicking rather than defence, was actually a real issue. So I just didn't know how we're going to kick a winning score. Certainly not a winning score if we're going to be a little bit leaky in defence. But our defence was strong again. Um, players returned return to form. Cosy Pickett was one. Tom McDonald was awesome again. I'm loving what he's doing. And Ben Brown comes in. So they've just, they rejigged the team just enough. I reckon like it's, it's a real balancing act how much you want to change things after losses. Because if you change them too much, it looks like you're panicking. But if you don't do anything, then you're standing still and you're probably uh, um, playing in the hands of the opposition. So I think Simon Goodwin did the right thing by giving Ben Brown an opportunity. Um, and it was a, just a really satisfying win. There was a couple of moments in the game was it in the third quarter where it looked like Porter coming and, geez, we might be in some trouble here? And we just kicked a steady goal. Tom McDonald kicked one from about 55. And we won quite easily in the end. So, yeah, it was one of the better wins. We seem to rise against better opponents. I can't, I'm no psychologist. I can't tell you why this is, but it's probably a good problem to have. 100%. I think, well, I said it this week or last week on the podcast, uh, re- previewing the Port game. Uh, I thought Port Adelaide are pretty, you know, they're flat track bullies. And I feel like, you know, just a true testimony. I think what happened again on the weekend. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really, I never really rated them as well. So I was actually quietly confident. Um, didn't matter with the crowd as well. So, yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, oh, they they certainly brought the physicality as as they do. I think, and we saw it in that first quarter. But I think that 
what I really liked as a D supporter is not often that we didn't labeled soft, but we sort of gave away a few free kicks in that first quarter. And you could just see they, they weren't taking any of the, you know, the bullying tactics that some of the, you know, your power peppers, who's always good for, you know, running through a few, yeah. a few people here and now, and, you know, a bit of a pest in that sense. And it's, what was it, two, three years ago that we played them in round one and they targeted Max and that kind of not defined our whole season, but it was certainly kind of set this trend about, oh, you can go after Melbourne, you can target Max Gorn for the whole game and it kind of buckles under them. But it was great to see just a couple of tackles that, that we were sort of giving back and, and providing them that ferocity as well too. I think, as you said, Tom, that pressure that we brought for four quarters was just back to its best. We we saw, yeah, a little bit of a sluggish team for the last few weeks, but it, it certainly was back to its best, especially with, with Cozzy firing up there with Spargo, you know, had a, had a really good game and kicked a nice goal as well too. And I think once our pressure game's up strong, we no one can beat us, I, I don't think, in, in that sense. But now when our full pressure and lock the ball in there, we just teams just fumble and make mistakes and we were able to do that. But that third quarter, you were right. Mitch Georgiatis, you know, for this used Max as a stepladder and took an absolute screamer yeah. and, and, and kicked. It looked really threatening at that time. And then Tommy McDonald kicked about two in a minute, um, one yeah. from about 45 out and then that unreal goal from the boundary. Did Was it out, Tom? What do you reckon? Uh, no, I thought it was in. <laughs> I mean, like, it, 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 it's, it's line ball either way, but... Um, I didn't think it was out. I thought it was in and Tom Donald deserved the goal. And it reminded me the night before of Casper Schmeichel saving the penalty and Harry Kane scoring on the rebound. And Tom Donald had his kick smothered and then scored on the rebound, which I thought was fantastic. On what you said about Sam Pepper as well, there was a moment in the game when uh, Pepper had spent the half an hour beforehand like sticking his chest out. Like, you know, I'm an, I'm an alpha dog. I'm tough. I'm brave. I'm strong. And then there was the ball in between him and Tom Donald, And McDonald ran at it and Pepper ran at it as well and turned his body at the last moment and missed it. And I just thought to myself, like, you know, that is the sort of player that you don't want in your footy team. Someone that walks around, prances around as if they're really tough and can play footy to a reasonable level. But then when the the ball's on the line and the game is on the line, pulls out of a contest. And I'm just watching Clayton Oliver. And we take, I, I think in some respects, some people, maybe not Melbourne supporters, take Clayton Oliver for, for granted how quick his hands are how he's able to wiggle his hips and always get a handball away. Like, it is so awesome. And he never takes a backward step. And we've got a few of those now. Like, I've never, you can never, even though, even when we were no good last year and even worse the year before, you can't question how hard we are at the contest. Our issue was our polish and our run on the outside. And I will stop short of saying we fixed that, but we've certainly gone a long way towards remedying those issues, partly with Ed Langdon, but also partly with some other little tinkering, tinkering around the place. So we're in a good position at the moment, top of the ladder. Absolutely. Well, we thought we might... Uh track some of the things that we really enjoyed about the game. And the first point that I've got down is, as I said, sort of mentioned before, the great pressure and intensity that we had for four quarters of the game. We had a little, yeah, there's a little patch where Port were always going to come back uh, and challenge us, especially at their home ground and fueled by that energy that their fans give and, and far out, like how loud were they as well too. And it was nice to see that interaction with the fan with Tom McDonald on the on, on the boundary line as well too. And it was nice. It wasn't anything uh, sinister or anything like that, just giving me a couple of pointers about where to, where to aim. But I just think that, uh, you know, Petrarca's game was outstanding. We, me and Simo talked about last week in terms of kicking winning score, how important yeah. that 
that he might be somebody that could, well, he definitely has it in his repertoire to push forward and, and damage on the scoreboard and also might give him a bit of a rest in the midfield as well too. But I mean, those three goals that he kicked, a lot of them I think were out the back. I think a couple of them were running into the goal square, but still to, to sort of gain that as well too, I thought was was outstanding. And he returned to form in terms of using the ball really uh, yeah. cleverly. I think he had 80% uh, disposal, disposal efficiency as opposed to the previous two weeks. He had 56 and 42. So... Great to see him using the ball a lot better as well. Yeah, I think part of that as well is he's got Ben Brown as a target ahead of him. I mean, a kick is only a good, uh, only as good as what's ahead of him. He there was a stat. What was the stat that Lee Montagna said? Of the fifty players with the most inside fifties for the year, Petrarca ranked forty-seven for hitting a target when he's kicking the ball inside forward fifty. So it was sort of the one plot in his game. And I, I don't know. Like I, I'm a Huge for Tracker man, but he, I don't think uh, sort of the scary thing for opposition. He's not a, he's not the finished product yet. I think he can still grow and still get better. And when he plays the other night, I can't imagine for Tracker playing a game like he did the other night and being part of a losing team is probably the best way to put it. Like he's so integral to the result of the game, and that's probably the biggest compliment you can give any player at any time. Hundred percent. Do you think we need to play him more forward, or you're you're happy with him more on ball? Um, well, I think he's best on ball. Like. If in a grand final, I'm starting him on the ball. But I do have this concern that, and I've had it for the last few years, that we do have a few too many inside midfielders. And if there's one player that can go to another position and still have an impact, it's probably Petrarca. Um, for example, like Jack Viney's got, probably just going to play in the midfield. Although a bad pressure forward, I reckon, if, if you had to move him. But Petrarca, because he's multi-skilled, can play forward. But then you don't want to be taking, if he is your best or best midfielder, away from midfield. So, oh, I think sort of like a, a 70-30 split when he's on the ground would make sense. 70% of the midfield, 30% forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they want to do 50-50, I can also understand it. Also, for the next few weeks before finals, if they want to try some other things in the midfield and play him a bit more forward, I also understand. But to put it, uh, to put it blatantly, grand final day, Petrarca and Oliver are both starting under Max Gorn in the midfield. And I think that's, that's, our, best, that's our best formation. Yeah, and I think the clearances certainly looked a little bit better as well too because uh, yeah. that's obviously been a bit of an issue as well. And I know Maxie was just saying, uh, you know, a couple of times where I, f- I feel like that opposition players are either really good at reading Max's taps, it seems like. We, we've seen him lose a lot out of the centre and he sort of yeah. said this week, oh, I'm tried to thump it forward a few times and just sort of see what happens and see if we get momentum. And you do have to be wary of player like Boone Jones and stuff who can read it off half back. But it happened a couple of times where... It, it was really the best way to move the ball forward from from centre because it has been, it happened against GWS. It sort of seemed like, oh, you'd almost rather move the ball off halfback. We look, well, we know how good we are from the back line, but we'd rather, we look more dangerous moving the ball from halfback or from Stephen May rather than from centre bounce, which is a little bit of a worry because you don't want to be, as I said, putting always too much of that strain and too much of that pressure yeah. on ball movement on the full length of the ground rather than half, half of the length. Yeah, they... That there's lots of stats. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm no champion data expert, but you want to be a forward half team. You want to be defending in your forward half. You want to be defending in your back half. And although we are good at, at, at sorry, attacking from our back half, you don't want to be, although we are good at attacking from our back half because Stephen May is such a good user, Christian Salem is such a good user, Jake Lever positions himself well, Wiggy's Langdon on one wing, you know, Brayshaw's a link man. We are good at that. It's not really a sustainable way to play in big games against good teams. You can't be allowing so many inside 50s. You can't be allowing the other team to win so many clearances on a consistent basis. You can still win from that position, but I I would prefer us to use less of that 
uh, and, and actually get the ball forward and propel it forward in, in the similar way to what Richmond do. Just get the ball moving forward. So I think we took a, we took a step in the right direction the other night doing that, but it is good to know we've got insurance with Stephen May. Stephen May, I reckon, has the best foot skills of any key position player in the comp, probably alongside Buddy. Like, find me a target that Stephen May misses when he's kicking. And he does not miss a target. He's unbelievable. And um, add that to his aerial skills. He's so valuable for us. One thing I really noticed, um, Tom, with Stephen May, especially I think more so when we're playing the better sides, is um, he does switch lanes a lot for us too. Um, he's, yeah. he's got that head on, head on a swivel really well, um, as opposed to I think when we – you know, when we have lost our games this year, we look like we're just kicking down the lines. Um, you know, it would be interesting to know why that happens. Um, yeah. Speak about, you know, he's such a good user. Like, I mean, why not, why not use it against, you know, the other, like, the lower-ranked sides to, you know, really bust them open? I can't, yeah. it's, it, it's always like risk versus reward, isn't it? Because you can take on a risky kick, and if you hit it, then you're away, you kick a goal. But obviously, if you miss it, or if the opposition reads it, then, um, then they kick a goal back the other way and you look silly. So I can't put my finger on it. I hate it when any team, go like it's boring to watch when any team goes back, kicks over the man of the mark. Mm. And the last three weeks before the Port game, last three games before then, we've just lacked that fluency and that energy, but we seem to have that sort of pizzazz back where we're working the ball by hand, moving it laterally, um, as you said, changing lanes. And hopefully we can keep that because that is probably the basis of all good offensive play. And speaking of defence as well, too, it was a bit of a coming out party for Harry Petty, who I've, yeah. we've been talking about him for a few weeks now and sort of how much he's progressed. And there's enormous support from him from the club and they were obviously really excited about him in terms of his development in the last couple of years. And obviously, it was just that opportunity waiting for him to to arrive. And unfortunately, it came at the at the injury of, uh, of Tomo, unfortunately. Um, <clears throat> but... Great to see him. He was, I thought he was outstanding on the weekend and yeah, maybe a little bit stiff not to get named in the best, but I think from, yeah. from the naked eye and, and I'm sure a lot of supporters have noticed that as well too. He's just growing and growing with each game and, and has slotted in incredibly, uh, yeah, fluently in our defensive system. Yeah, it's just amazing how, you know, I don't want to be too rude about Harrison Petty, but like he was a fringe player. So it's amazing how fringe players... Um, uh, look more comfortable around other players who are very good at what they do. So you put Harrison Petty into North Melbourne or you put him into the Gold Coast Suns or Hawthorne, a team that is struggling. And I reckon Harrison Petty might struggle a little bit himself or might take a bit longer to get going. But you put Harrison Petty around Stephen May and Jake Lever and Christian Salem, all of a sudden he just plays his role and he looks awesome. And that is that is why good football clubs stay good because they just filter in younger players or new players around the stars they already have. So it, hopefully it's the same for anyone. Hopefully if Jay Lockhart comes in, he feels more comfortable than, than what he did a couple of years ago because there's good players around him. And you can just sort of handpick the ones you want to put in. I mean, like, look look at... Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Look at, like, someone at Geelong, right? Like, people play at Geelong. They come in, they play. And they look comfortable. Most of them look pretty comfortable pretty early. But those same players who've been at previous clubs that weren't much good, they looked really ordinary. So, you know, having May and Lever and Gorn and Petrarca and Oliver and and McDonald this year, like having these players as sort of like key pillars in our team, makes everyone around them better. Charlie Spargo is another good example of that. Charlie Spargo, when the team played badly, looked really ordinary. Looked like he didn't deserve to be in the team. Team playing well. And part of the reason that's playing well is because of him, but also the reason, part of the reason 
he's playing well is because of it. So it's like a chicken and the egg. It's a, it's a double whammy. And I think it's a really important part of the team aspect of the game. It's a real credit to the system, isn't it? It's just, you know, it's been building for these last couple of years and we hear these terms about system and, and belief and, and being yeah. selfless and, um, and playing for each other, but it's certainly coming together. And you're right, Geelong are a fantastic example of a team that's, you know, that to be as dominant as they have been in recent times and just to sort of slowly filter in these kids and they just fit in seamlessly and, and just it, everything gels and it, it really comes down to the foundations that's laid by, you know, the club and their culture and their uh, their structure and everything that they stand for. And, and we're start, starting to see that now at the Mel- at, at Melbourne and we're starting to now see the fruits of that as well too. It's been, um, you know, a pretty exciting uh, but rollercoaster ride of a few years. There's, there's certainly been elements there. 2018, <laughs> 2018 saw us, you know, sort of probably peak a little bit too early, but now we're sort of really starting to see all those things finally click. We spoke to Kate Roffey and she was just sort of saying um, the other week that I asked her about these sort of coaches that we've gone to target over the offseason, you know, your Uzes and Mark Williams and, and just even the reshuffling, uh, getting Richo in and, and moving people aside in that sense. And she just, I just said, like, that's obviously something they review every year, but I, I said it's amazing to see the foot skills that have connected since last year to this year. Like, it's crazy to yeah. think how much, and I know Mark Williams is a massive advocate for, for foot skills. That's, that's, I think that's his, yeah. everything that he preaches, but it's just incredible to see it all click all at once. It's awesome. Um, I think Mark Williams had a huge impact. And in the end, like, you, you guys would agree, like, the last two years, we, uh, we, we haven't, most games, obviously there's been exceptions, but most games we haven't necessarily lacked effort or lacked hardness. Um, but we've just lacked polish. And we've, lacked, we, we've been sort of random and we've been a, a bit wild in the way we've used the ball. This year, by and large, obviously there's still exceptions, but by and large, we seem like we're more considered, we're more concise, we're more precise um, and we're just cleaner in the way we use the ball. And that's the game, isn't it? Like the best teams go bang, 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 goal. The bad teams, they find it really hard to give themselves looks at goal. So it's been a huge difference. And look, I don't think we're very good in the first four or five weeks of the year. We won games, but we, I don't think we're that good. But we got the confidence up from winning those games and now we're, like, we're going to be better for it. We're playing better footy. Um, are we playing premiership winning footy? I don't know. The lid, the lid is very much on in my household, but it will be on probably until a minute to go in the grand final. <laughs> you, you talk, well, you know, talking about Mark Williams and Adam Uze and what they've done for the club, um, how likely actually do you think that both of those will still be at the club at the end of the year? It's hard to say. I think Mark Williams will be. I, I can't see Collingwood employing Mark Williams, um, even though he played for the club. Um, again, I don't know for sure, but I, I'd be surprised if, I, I'd be surprised if Mark Williams wasn't spoken to even by a third party, but I'd be equally surprised if he wasn't at Melbourne next year, if that makes sense. You know, Collingwood are casting the net wide to see how they can improve their footy department, not necessarily just their senior coaching position. They'll have some assistant coach changes. Adam Uze is right up there for the Pies job, so I think there's probably a fair chance that he gets it. Um, nothing's a certainty. I know that um, Collingwood's been impressed by him so far, just as we were. That's why we, that's why we got him. I mean, let's not forget that um, about this time last year, maybe a bit later, maybe about 11 months ago, he was under contract at Hawthorne. He'd been there for a decade. And Essendon and Melbourne had a bidding war over Adam Uze at a time when the soft cap was coming down by 30%. You know, it's like unheard of that two clubs are going after the same assistant coach who's under contract under Alistair Clarkson while there's less money in football clubs than there has been in 15 years. So that just 
is testament to how highly Uze's rated. And that's why he's right up there as one of the favourites for the Collingwood job. If he doesn't get it, he'll be very close. He was uh, he pulled out of the running for the Adelaide job. And I can't quite remember another one, but there was another one that he might have applied for that, gone, that he went quite close. So people around the league love him. You know, Jordan Lewis says he's one of the best assistant coaches he's ever played under. And Jordan Lewis played under Damien Hardwick. He played under Adam Simpson. Um, he played under Stuart Jew. So, and he obviously played under Clarko as well. And he played under, and he played under Simon Goodwin and these other Melbourne coaches. So that sort of praise, I think, uh, reverberates around the league. There's, sometimes you get assistant coaches where they're sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you might hear that assistant coach X is a really good coach and then everyone just says it, but no one actually knows. But Uze is not that. Everyone says he's really good because he is really good. So, look, ideally we keep him. Um, if we keep him for another year or two, I think that's probably a bonus. I think he's probably his next cap off the rank or at least in the next two or three to get a senior coaching job. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's a yeah, bittersweet in the terms of it, to lose him, but absolutely in, yeah. in terms of his personal success, it's uh, it's definitely... Definitely the next, you know, the next rung for him in, in his professional career, and, and we know how highly decorated he is as a coach and as a player as well. And a friend of mine is she actually teaches his daughter uh, at school, and so I've been I've yeah. been telling her to put in a good word, just say no, no, don't worry about Colin, <laughs> just just worry about <laughs> staying staying at the days, at, at least you know, at least seeing us through to a, a premiership or, or well, so, and then the and like, then you can go. You, you don't you don't want him to go, and then not be here for the grand final, which has happened before, like you know. Assistant coaches, he might get the job in the first week of finals. And then there's got to be a call made whether he stays until the grand final, if we make it. Obviously, I'm being presumptuous, but let's say we do. Um, or he goes and starts work at Collingwood. And more often than not, they have to leave and go to the, go to the club they're going to, which is not ideal. Um, so that can sort of not derail, but it can impact a club internally because then someone's got to pick up, pick up the slack for Uze, the players, things change from what's been there all year. So, you know, what's happened at Collingwood and what potentially might happen to other clubs, maybe Carlton or I don't know any other club that changes coach, um, has a has a knock on effect, has a domino effect for other other clubs around the league. On on sort of saying that and talking premiership aspirations, what do you think the D's need to continue to do or to do to to beat the best of the best and be there on that last day of September holding the cup? What is there anything that sort of stands out to you? Um, no, nothing stands out. I'm most I'm, it sounds ridiculous because of what's happening against Brisbane. Our second half was so good. The Dogs, um, we beat Richmond when they weren't quite at their best and they're still not quite at their best. We beat Geelong early in the year. They're a very different team now. Mm. Um, I, I think it's a very even best four teams. I think Brisbane, Melbourne, Geelong, and who's the other team in the four? Doggies. Uh, the Doggies. I think that you, you could actually throw a blanket over those four. So then it just comes down to who's better on the day. And I can't question our hardness. I question our forward line a little bit. I would like to get some easier goals, but hopefully Ben Brown helps with that and Sam Wiedemann gets a go. Um, I don't have one specific thing. In the end, it's going to be about keeping all our good players fit, which Touchwood they are, aside from Adam, Adam Tomlinson, pretty much, and making sure that on the day we're on. you know. And if we can win a final, win a, quarter, uh, yeah, win a qualifying final. Sorry, I'm in quarter, quarterfinal. I'm thinking of uh, the Wimbledon tennis. <laughs> I was watching last night. If you can win a qualifying final, and then get a week off, that'll help you even more. So I, to, to answer your question, I'm most worried about Brisbane at the Gabba. I think it's the hardest game that you can have at the moment. So hope, like, you know, doomsday scenario, we finish third or fourth, they finish first or second, we get a qualifying final at the Gabba. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like that. But I would back us against the Dogs. Um, like, you know, str- I'd strongly back us against the Dogs at home. And Geelong is interesting. They're a hardened finals team. 
but I'd still back us against the Cats as well at home. So really, Brisbane at the Gabba is the only game that properly holds, you know, fears for me at the moment. But obviously, this can change. Really unfortunate about Hipwood last night as well, too. Um, you know, yeah, no good. Further, a further blow to theirs after already losing Rainer this season. It's, yeah, really disappointing and feel for him. But it's it's a huge loss for them as well, too, in terms of their forward line and their structure as well. Well, it just shows that how quickly things can change. I mean, again, touch wood. Like, imagine if we lost Gorn, like an innocuous incident. If we lose Gorn, Gorn or if we lose May, or if we lose an Oliver, you know, it's lucky these players are all at the prime of their careers. They've sort of combined their physical attributes so they're strong enough to to compete in games, um, but not too weathered like Joel Selwood or an older player where they get sore and, and miss have to miss weeks of footy. So um, it can change in, in in an instant. Luckily, we've been pretty lucky so far, but uh, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't speak too soon because they, like those ACLs, these syndesmosis injuries, they just seem to be happening all the time and. Mm. Luckily, we've sort of avoided them uh, primarily, aside from Adam Tom- Tomlinson so far. Yeah, it goes to show. I mean, like, I mean, you talk about the top four sides too, but, you know, talking about Port Adelaide, you know, what does that, what does the loss on Thursday night mean for them? And, you know, can they still have an impact in the finals? Like, I know, you know, mm. obviously they've, their record against the top eight sides have been pretty, you know, pretty so-so over the past few years even. Um, they've been labelled as flat track bullies and everything. But do you, do you think that, they could change. Um, it's an interesting stat because this is a, an argument, not an argument, a de- like a debate I had with Lee Montagna on TV because mm. he was saying, you know, Port, Port's record against top eight teams is no good. The record against bottom 10 teams is, you know, amazing. They're flat track bullies. I'm like, yeah, doesn't that just define exactly where they are? Like, you know, good teams only lose to other good teams and they smash up on bad teams. So I don't read too much into Port beating up on bottom teams and losing to good teams. What I do read into is the fact they're losing at home now. So I don't think Port, I don't think Port are going to make a huge splash in finals, but I wouldn't be taking them lightly. I mean, um, they might win a final, they might win two finals, but I'd, I'd be now surprised if they won a flag or if they made a grand final. Whereas at the start of the year, I'd say I'd say they were sort of them and Geelong, Brisbane and Richmond were sort of the favourites, and we were the we were the rung back. We've now sort of leapfrogged them, I think. Hopefully, I don't eat my words on September twenty, and uh, and Port are sort of a rung back. They're sort of like around Sydney. Um, you know, like those teams in the sort of bottom half of the eight. Richmond are there now as well. Some That's... interesting... Sorry, Sim. I was going to say some interesting uh, coaching placement of Alir Alir on Thursday night as well too. He sort of seemed to be... couldn't Hinkley couldn't seem to find a spot for him and he played a lot in the ruck. He even bobbed up forward at the times. But yeah, I'd, interesting to see a player of his stature kind of not having a consistent spot, uh, you know, on, on the night, which I thought... Obviously, he's an intercept king, uh, and we know yeah. what that's like in that sense. But I know he matched up at, on Ben Brown at, at times as well, too. But yeah, it was interesting the way that they used him. I, I mean, not a coach myself, but it didn't seem uh-huh. like they, they didn't capitalize on on his assets, what he brings to that club either. Yeah, something just isn't quite clicking at Port, and I think there's lots of moving uh, elements to this. Ali is one of them. Charlie Dixon um, is inconsistent at the moment. Um, they need they need to do better. So yeah, I don't know what's going on. I feel I feel like Port Adelaide and us are completely opposite. We we actually battle against the average sides and do well against the top sides. Like it's an interesting uh, talking point. Like you you have mates saying, or even kids at school even told me, oh, you, like you lost to Adelaide, you lost to Collingwood, like you know, boo. But I just say to them, look who we've beaten though. Look at our record against the the sides that matter. Yeah, I know. And that's the thing. Like, we've, we've beaten all the other good teams. 
but we're done in the home and away season. And finals footy is a completely different kettle of fish, as you know. So we got <laughs> it's like it's it's quite daunting because we had such a good start to the year. Everyone starts looking ahead to finals, you know, in about round seven. Whereas ordinarily you'd start looking ahead about now. So we've had a long time to think about it. It's, it's excruciating in some respects, but it's also a nice position to be in. Definitely, and I think if anything, I, I really, I really believe, and I, I do believe that that everything that we've been playing, and even the games that we haven't played well, but we've defended well, it's it's certainly seeming like a brand of footy that will stand up in finals. And I know it's something that Goody's been preaching a lot, but I, I honestly believe it. If we're starting to hopefully address some of these scoring woes, and and Thursday night was was a great start. It's it's not a finished product, uh, as you said, Tom. Sort of, it's far from it, but it'll be great to see. Uh, a couple more games that they give Benny Brown a run. It certainly straightened us up a little bit, and I, I really think that having that extra target there, no, okay, didn't kick, didn't kick any goals, but just his contest work and his ability to bring the ball to ground and just be that stay-at-home forward a couple of times. And he, he had a couple of really nice forward entries as well too, and set up a couple yeah. of goals as well. So I think with we know that McDonald loves to run up the ground, but at the same time to turn around and actually have somebody in the forward line to kick to that's not Fritch who's playing two or three on one, which happened against GWS, where it's not Cozzy or Spargo, you know, in an outnumbered contest. Uh, we just we do look a lot more potent, and I hope that whether it's Wiedemann or whether it's Brown that they they're going to continue to stick for that. I don't know whether they'll give them both another go. I, f- I feel like that's too tall. I, d- I feel like that ship may have sailed, but unless something happens to Jackson or along those lines, or yeah, as you said, um, fingers crossed, not Max. But I, I really feel like that they've got to give that another run. So making sure that they keep that extra tall in there, and that might be the yeah. set to go through for the next few weeks. Hopefully, yeah. Ben Brown's not going to win you a Coleman medal. No, it's not a Coleman medal. I know he's done that. A, um, a Norm Smith medal. But he aligns us. He knows how to play as a forward. He's, you know, traditionally an accurate kick for goal. Just We just need to lower our expectations a bit and without wanting to sound like an AFL coach, just someone who can play a role. And I think he can do that. I also think Sam Wiedemann can do that. But Ben Brown's probably just a little bit better as a lead-up, hit-up player. Whereas Wiedemann probably in previous years has been quite good out the back, which doesn't seem to be the trend of the game as much. I think both can be good. But I don't. I agree. I don't think they can be good together. So I think Simon Goodwin's got to pick one or the other. And at the moment, Brown looks to be ahead. All right. Before we get to the quiz, mate, one one last thing I want to ask you about uh, our current side. And Simon, I know you'll have lots to talk about here. James Harms, where do you think his best footy's at? Because his last couple of weeks have been pretty down. Although he's had some good games in the midfield, but as you said, as, as you touched on before, we're we're chock a block in terms of. Uh, yeah. inside midfielders, but he had probably a little bit of a... Probably was the player that, I don't know, least looked impressive on Thursday night, which was pretty hard to come by because everyone it was a pretty even contribution across the whole ground. Yeah, I think so. Um, Jack Viney back in makes it hard. I'd still like to get him to the midfield as much as possible. Um, but to answer your question, I don't know other than that. Because I'm not overly comfortable with him at half forward. I'm not overly comfortable with him at half back. I don't really want him on a wing. So it could be one of those things where if there's no room from the midfield, he might not be in the team. But that seems a bit harsh as well. So I probably need to see a bit more, I reckon. Give him another couple of chances and see if he can play some better midfield minutes. But I'm not sure he's um, he's as suitable elsewhere. But he was so good earlier in the year, but Viney was out. So it's that, it's that balancing act that Simon Goodwin has. We feel like he plays his best footy, is it? Like doing all those run, run with roles. Like especially yeah. in 2018, he, he absolutely killed it and thrived in that role. But now... Like, I mean, I, I had a pretty big rant at him last week. Just uh, the the fact that he doesn't know, like, 
the one player on our side on Thursday night that did in, didn't instinctively give a first option, took blokes on, was just fumbly, was just you know it wasn't wasn't the greatest sight to see compared to what everyone else was doing. Yeah, I know. I I think he's been a bit down, um, but it, the the tagger role is an interesting one. It sort of relies on what the opposition has, and then how do we want to play? You know, do we need to tag every week? If we do need a tagger, how heavy do you want this tag to be? I don't know. Oh, the jury's out. The jury's out for James Harms and where he's best used. He's bloody good. If he's not in the team, he's a bloody good depth player. Mm. Um, and I think it's a bit harsh to call him a depth player. I think it's probably better than that. But you know, is he ahead of Viney, Oliver, Petrarca, Brayshaw? I was a bit off a couple of weeks ago, but he's done he's done some reasonable things recently. So I don't know. I think I think he's probably on the edge. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Sparrow was somebody that I think we were a little bit disappointed to see squeezed out because I think he's certainly someone that played his role and, and has hit the scoreboard as well too. He's got a really nice set shot. I think he kicked a goal or two in, at Casey yesterday as well too and could be somebody if, if there was a change against Hawthorne that it, it might be something like that if the coaches are feeling the same way. But as you said, yeah. the run with Barol, Viney's been doing that job at, at least, you know, had the job on Wines on the weekend and I think Wine still had a lot of the footy, but I think limited the clearances that he had, and he's obviously a clearance bull in that sense. So it'd be interesting to see what happens straight forward. But as I said, we've got what how many rounds to go? Four six. Six. That many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wish it would come sooner. But yeah, just be really exciting to uh to see us hopefully gain a little bit more momentum and see that forward line uh continue to evolve and, and, and watch us kick some winning scores. We'll finish off with you, Tom, with our quick quiz, five and a flash. So it's got to be the first thing that comes to your head. All right? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. Yeah, here we go. Footy or cricket? Cricket. Ooh. Name the top four after round 23 this year. In order? Yep. Um, um, Geelong, Melbourne, Brisbane, Western Bulldogs. Who makes I don't them? want to finish first. I don't, I don't want to finish first. I'm happy to finish second, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, top two. Top two, I'd definitely take that. Yeah. Uh, who makes the worst jokes at Fox Footy? <laughs> um, Jordan Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who's your doppelganger? <laughs> um, uh, people say I look like that French tennis player. Um, oh, hang on. Stay with me. Stay with me. <laughs> I know it's the first thing that comes to your head, but this has uh, his name is Richard Gasquet. Richard Gasquet, oh, yeah. after Guru. Yeah, Richard Gasquet, good player. People say I look like him. When I was young, people said I look like Hugh Grant, which I've never seen. So <laughs> anyway, oh, and some people say I look like <laughs> some people say I look like Nick Maxwell, but I've got better teeth. So I, <laughs> oh, I can see that. But, uh, Maxwell, he's, he's generally had a pretty short haircut, doesn't he? He's had a yeah, pretty, yeah. Crew cut. All right, and last one: uh, worst mistake that you've done on live TV. Um, if you've done one, what comes to, what, yeah, I've done mistakes. Uh, I ha- luckily I haven't had like a big blunder where I've sworn or. No, I, I, um, earlier on in the year, it was I just completely stuffed up what I was saying. I couldn't talk. Like I just, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're public speaking or you literally just can't get the words out. You can't even think of the most simple word. I just went, uh, oh, I've completely stuffed that up. That's what I said. Luckily, <laughs> it, it was late at night, so no one really saw it. No one picked up on social media. But geez, it was, uh, it was, I mean, even last night, I said, I was going to say, I've confirmed with Brisbane that Eric Hipwood has a suspected ACL. But what I said was, um, Brisbane has confirmed it's a, no, I said, 
Brisbane has told me it's a confirmed ACL. So like <laughs> just just like little little errors like that just grinded me. I'm lying in bed last night. I'm thinking, ah, oh, God, I got to do that better. But uh, luckily, I haven't made any sort of huge errors like you know sworn or said something completely <laughs> inappropriate. So I'd like to keep it that way if possible. Touch wood. Yeah, absolutely. All right, mate. Well, thank you so much for joining us, mate. Really enjoyed all your insights and loving all your work on Fox Footy. But most of all, love that you're a D supporter and great to see awesome. your passion and stuff come through. But no, we really appreciate you jumping on. And yeah, hopefully we can uh, see some more D success going deep into September this year. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Tim. Thanks, Simo. Have a great afternoon and uh, go Ds. Hopefully it's a big year for us all. Absolutely. All right. Take care, mate. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. All right, Simo, how good was that? Tommy was an absolute legend. Great to great to have a chat to him about about the D's and obviously very professional in terms of all his AFL knowledge, but it's great to see that he's got a really passionate D side to him as well too. Yeah, it's great to see. I think like uh, just having someone from the you know the inner sanctum of the AFL and you know hearing what they're saying about the D's is just really a really good insight too. We do have to move on with the rest of the podcast. So we are up to our Charlie Spargo Award. So looking at the most underrated performance of the round. And who have you got there, mate? Who do you think was somebody that had a great game but probably wasn't sung out by the, uh, what do we say, the observers, the analyzers? The analyzers. Um, well, I think Melbourne fans were crying out for this bloke and, you know, for him to finally come in after a few games in the VFL. Um, I don't think he played ever since a Carlton game potentially, but that's big Benny Brown. I think the, the a guy that he had the one really game, good game a couple of weeks ago where he kicked five in the VFL, but then a lot of fans saw that he had three disposals and I think, oh, geez, we're bringing in a bloke that's had three touches. But then again, we found out later that he only played a half knowing that. I think he was getting served up to play on a quick um, quick break. So um, I think just the biggest thing for Benny Brown was the, well, the reason probably why he wasn't in the side for the last few weeks is he probably played more self, not really a selfish role, but I think he was more so focusing on his own game first. Um, but I really feel like on the week, on Thursday night, that he really took a team approach to the game. Um, yes, he only had the 10 disposals, didn't kick a goal, but to, to be honest, um, I think he even set up one or two with a, nice, a couple of nice hits inside 50. And, um, yeah, just someone that brings the ball to ground and keeps us, you know, nice aligned up forward and, you know, allows for our amazing crummers such as Cozzy Pickett and Spargo to uh, wrap around his ankles. Yeah, no, you're definitely right there. And I think, as you said, everyone was crying for it. We needed to see another crack at it in terms of having that another key forward up up there just to sort of see how that would help, you know, straighten us up and, and give those other forwards a bit more. I suppose we talked about last week in terms of releasing them and making sure that they have a little bit more space because he's going to be at home or he's, he's taking a number one defender or a number two defender. So allowing Tom McDonald, allowing Bailey Fritz to sort of roam a little bit more and hopefully create a little bit more space because we were caught out last week at times uh, against GWS where we had no one to kick to. So this certainly said on that. You're spot on in terms of that, yes, he didn't kick a goal, but I think he has really bought into that team system and just doing the little things like tapping the ball to ground, making sure that he's yeah in the in the contest. It was pretty stiff not to get a couple of, uh, not paid a couple of contested marks as well to up around the 50 line. And just, I think, competed well the entire time. Didn't look, we know he's not 
you know, massively quick. He's probably not going to lay you six, seven tackles inside 50. That's what we've got those small crummers for. So I think going forward that they'll be happy with his efforts. Um, whilst he didn't hit the scoreboard, he certainly impacted it. I think we already have three score involvements there. Yeah, three tackles and three spoils as well too. So a nice rounded game uh, for somebody that hopefully, whether it's him or Wiedemann, I certainly think that that's the structure going forward that they need to make sure is going to be fit and firing for... Uh, for finals because we looked much more potent. Yes, we got three goals out of track, which is a bit of a bonus as well too, but it, it did really break open uh, the forward line for us as well. All right, mate. Well, we are the D's podcast by fans for the fans, and it is our very important segment of the podcast where we get to hear all of our fans' thoughts and feelings about the game in Fugazi. People aren't commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fugazi. Best, uh, Matthew, can you the <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't, but it's uh, it's go something like Fagazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> All right, mate, who have we got there first? So we're looking for talking points from our emphatic win against the Port Adelaide Power on Thursday night. Amazing. So the first one comes in from Rodney Davis. When we collectively play our roles, we get the job done. I knew we were going to win when the team ran out. Saw the players with smiles on their face and having a laugh. Relaxed and knew they were confident before the first balls bounced. 100%. I feel like we definitely looked on straight away. And I even said it to you, Tim, um, through a quick message. I, I just said, you know, we look like they're going to be playing our game. I feel like we, you know, come in the game, I think, really determined to make amends for our poor game. The interesting thing he says, smiles on their face and having a laugh. We did that last week against the Giants, and obviously that didn't really pan out. But, um, yeah, definitely seeing the, seeing the players have a smile on their face and having a laugh as well. Looks like they're really enjoying themselves, and um, seeing them work for it as a team is good to see as well. Yeah, and we touched on it with Tom before, but I just thought the intensity that we brought for that entire four quarters on both sides as well. So, uh, you know, defense is, is always going to be high pressure, but in terms of our forward half was 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 much more consistent than it has been for the last few weeks. We had, yeah, Cozzy's energy was outstanding, gets us back to our best football and, and how we really win games and, and really put them away in that second half as well too. So, absolutely, and, and the smiles on their faces, i tell you what, after the game, you can certainly see, see that they were very happy with that win. All right, next one, we got Lachlan Senior who says, Brown was a huge inclusion, didn't kick any himself, but he brought it to ground most times and came near him, and he drew, drew a good defender off T-Mac and Jacko. And, yeah, I mean, again, echoing what we were talking about before, I mean, we saw what T-Mac was able to do and really kind of staved off Port off his own boot almost in that third quarter because his his two goals in a minute was a quick response to Georgiadis's probably a massive 10 minutes from, and he looked extremely dangerous uh, in that sense. So we talked last week about how it's going to release those players. That, that extra defender gets gets you know dropped down a rung and all of a sudden Tom McDonald's not playing on, you know, he doesn't have Jonas playing on him. He's got the next person down. It obviously can have that impact as well too. So I think he made Tom Cleary look a little bit silly after coming back from injury. Um, the next one comes in from Gary Hughes bring our pressure game and no one can match us I think I think you labelled this Tim Um, I think Tom might have said it as well Um, if we are playing our brand of footy it's very very hard for teams to beat us especially if we do it for four quarters and I think I mentioned Cozzy before I think he had 20 odd pressure acts as well too so just as I said fit and firing and and at our absolute best yeah our four pressure game is is what locks the ball in and, and helps us really strangle sides and, and makes them 
life really difficult for them to score goals, which which we've been really good at this year. We just have to make sure that we continue to kick goals ourselves. Uh, and who we got there? Last one, we've got Liz Grantham. Uh, the intensity, commitment, and confidence of all the players and to each other was clearly evident. Great game, Ds. And I, I think I mentioned it earlier before. I, it was a really consistent effort, and it was evenly spread throughout all 22 blokes except for <laughs> we won't say except for James Harms he's the only person that we've highlighted that probably did have a bit of an off game but I, I really think that you know Oliver I think I had down there what a lazy 31 and 21 contested but he did seem to go missing at times and I, I don't think it was more I, I think he was quite well held by Drew at, at times during the game but you've got tracks three goals that really stand out and his high possessions but it, it didn't seem that way I don't know about you, just watching the game, it wasn't like I was, the goals were ticking over, but it wasn't so much that, oh, Petrarca's had a heap of the ball tonight. Like, I wasn't physically noticing that. We know how Clary racks up possessions, like, and Tom Morris said it before as well, you don't even notice. You, you know, we take it for granted in terms of how quickly he gets in and out and gets fires a handball out there. I, I just felt that across the board, it was a really even contribution from from all players on the ground there as well. All right, well, we've covered the fantastic victory that was the power outage at Adelaide Oval, but now it's time to look ahead. Next game, as you said, in one week at a time. Uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit. We understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing, but we also want to just take it you know, one week at a time. And, and coaches say that a lot, and, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. All right, Tim, looking ahead. My fa- one of my favourite segments here, the, the one week at a time. Looking ahead at Hawthorne, uh, Saturday afternoon, 4.35 start at the home of football. Look, to be honest, t- not too much to look into this one. I think I think we just get just get the job done. Um, it'll be nice to see us absolutely smash them like we did last time. I mean, obviously, it was a real big, you know, big final quarter to end up winning by 50. But it'd be good to, you know, see a four-quarter effort against a lower-ranked side and, you know, really flex the muscles and really gain that percentage to get closer with the doggies. I think interesting to see what happens at selection. I don't think we rest anyone. I think we go in probably unchanged. I mean, it's hard to sort of change a winning formula. I know um, a lot of people through Melbourne groups are saying, you know, bring Vanders in. Vanders in pretty good nick in the VFL. Honestly, i watched most parts of the game. I'd I thought it was a bit scrappy, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I watched it a bit yeah, too as well. I'm not, I'm not purely sold on him, but I think, yeah, he is, he is in good touch. I think he'll play a role if he does come in. Like, you know, he could play what Harms was doing or something like that as a pressure forward potentially. But yeah, I don't see really anything changing. He might, I reckon, he'd probably be the medi sub. I can come in coming into the game and Sparrow won't even, yeah, he won't get a look in. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, played, I, I, played a good I, game as well. Yesterday. Yeah, exactly. I, to be honest, not, like, not not too much to look into here. I think well, the biggest thing to really worry about Hawthorne is probably your Tom Mitchell, but Tom Mitchell gets a lot of nothing disposals. So, yeah, that's a pretty easy pretty easy review for this. Uh, sorry, preview for this week, mate. I think um, yeah, is Omira playing? Yeah, yeah Omira should be playing. Probably playing someone else. Frio. That to, yeah. But then again, if if Frio can knock Hawthorne off by you know ten goals, you know, I think it's something we should do as well. Yeah, oh, Freya a little bit pesky, I'm finding. I don't know. They seem to, uh, yeah, seem to bob up and, and they're making a bit of a push for, for finals as well too. But no, completely completely understand. It's, again, we want to make sure that we stand up to these teams that are below the eight and, and make sure that we're still have, coming out with the same intensity and the same fire and making sure that we're yeah, executing exactly the same game style as what we did and, and bring that same heat 
is what we did on Thursday night because we can't we can't afford a, a sag off again. We, we just want to make sure that we're now, as we said, six rounds to go. We need to be make sure that we're hitting our straps and, and playing our best footy leading up into September and, and coming into finals time. So huge game. Yeah, interesting time slot. Twilight game at the G on Saturday afternoon. I know that that was all sort of very lately determined there, but it should be, yeah, it should be a fantastic game. A few more people out at the G, which would be good. And I'll know a lot of those hopefully will be in red and blue. that wraps it up again for another week and what a fantastic round it was to review and, and great to have uh, Fox Footy's Tom Morris to join us and, and have a really good insight to to what his thoughts are on, on, on the game but also against his thoughts on the D's and their season as well too which has been awesome but we do have to give the people what they want. We've covered what we're looking ahead at this round but Simo, everyone's asking for it mate. How'd you go last week in your multi and what are we looking like for this week? <laughs> I got one of three legs, unfortunately. Um, so I got the, got the most point, oh, total points. Then we, what else we get? Uh, Clary, Clary got beaten by wines, I think by a couple of disposals. And then Ben Brown obviously didn't kick a snag, but I'm going to back Ben Brown to really open up this week and he's going to kick the most goals for the Melbourne Football Club. It's going to be a pretty close competition, I reckon, with T-Mac. But um, I reckon T-Mac will be like, you know what? Let's play you into some goal-kicking form. So Benny Brown to kick a big four. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to go something a little bit different this week. I'm not going to do a most goals. I'm going to do Ben Brown to kick three or more. I'm going to do Melbourne 40 plus. And I'm, going to, go to, and I'm going to go Tom Mitchell most touches because that, that bloke just keeps it on a string. And although Clary does keep it on a string as well, I think we won't really tag Tom Mitchell for getting his, you know, 25 handballs that go nowhere. So, yeah. That's it. They've clearly they've clearly identified that, what happened with, uh, it was at Parrish and Merritt the other day, um, mm. the other week, that if they're racking up disposals in, in an area that's not being damaging or effective for that team, then, yeah, there's no point in wasting energy. So, yeah, nice one. Good to see you change it up a little bit. I think you're yeah, a little bit bold with the 40 points. We're only getting back on track and kicking <laughs> you know, upwards of 70 points ourselves. So unless we're restricting Hawthorne to kick two or three goals for the game, uh, good luck to you. But anyway, there it is. Another week, another Simo's Multi. So thanks to everyone for subscribing to our podcast. Uh, make sure that you check it out on Spotify, Apple or Google and feel free to leave a review and feedback on Twitter at A-T-T-N-2-Details at D-E-E on Facebook, Instagram, or you can throw us an email at attentiontodetailpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in this week. And Simo, congratulations again on your freedom. It's great to see you yeah, released a few days early, and I'm sure you'll be itching. Well, we've both got school back tomorrow, the last day of holidays today. So it'll be, I don't know, are you, are you kind of wishing that you had this week like a few more days at home? Well, finally, well, I actually set myself up to miss the first day. So, therefore, my body clock is going to be so out of whack. I've been getting up at like 9 o'clock each morning. So, I'm going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, it'll be, so, are you going tomorrow? I am going tomorrow. Oh, you are. Back, back in action. Um, ready for a pretty jam feel, jam-packed term three, which would be good fun. Yeah, that's it. All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, we'll see you all next week and go Dees. Go Dees.